This is Nerve Radio. Good afternoon, guys. Welcome to episode 16 of Football Discuss with myself, Oddie Ferris, and my co-host, Andy Jones. How are we, Andy? I'm very well, very well. Although there is some slightly sad news this week. Um, A Liverpool legend, Ian St. John, passed away at the age of 82 on Tuesday. Uh, Absolute legend for the club. Uh, one of the one of the main main stalwarts of uh, of uh, the Shankly era, um, won a couple of league titles, scored a, scored a winning goal in a cup final, played over four, I think about four hundred and twenty five games for Liverpool, scoring one hundred and eighteen goals, about twenty caps for Scotland, um, and then also you know uh, was a great TV personality with the uh, Saints and Greavesy show during the late eighties, early nineties, you know, which really sort of uh, turns football punditry into a bit more fun. Like, we, you know, kind of like the, you know, the forerunners for the types of shows we see today, like Soccer AM and stuff like that, you know, really, you know, having having those banter moments and, and, and making football a lot more, a lot, a, lot, a lot less serious and a bit a bit more fun. So, um, you know, be fondly remembered on Merseyside and, and in Scotland, but I think the footballing community will, uh, you know, will, will miss a, a great character of the game. Yeah, most certainly. So, uh, sorry to start off with a bit of sad news there. Um, yeah, well, I just thought I would get there. And obviously, we wish his family all, all the best and, and hope everyone's all right. But, yeah. Uh, and maybe moving on to another bit of sad news. Um, something that's come up in the recent week, England and the Euros. So, obviously, Boris Johnson, you know, the girl Boris Johnson expressing his enthusiasm um, to host the World well, the Euros um, solely in England. Well, in the UK, actually, if it was. Uh, yeah, well, I like the way he tagged it on to a, a possible World Cup bid for 2030. It, it, it stunk of like um, election politics to me, you know, stunk of like, let's give people some good news. They might like me if we host the Euros in the World Cup. But, um, well, it sounds good to me, so. Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to lie. It does sound good to me. I'm still unsure whether the government should be investing and pledging two million odd quid for a World Cup in like, you know, nine years when... We're still dealing with, you know, possibility of clubs going bust at, you know, the grassroots level and stuff. But, you know, um, it would be great um, if the Euros were to be sold over here. But from what I've read, uh, UEFA are against the idea because they see, well, if England are going to bid for the World Cup in 2030, we've already got the semis and the finals and all of England's group games. Plus, I think there's a, a round of 16 match at Wembley as well. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of the tournaments already in the UK. Um, I think Boris made sense. I think it would have been a good idea to hold it in one place. And seeing as we have the final and the semis and a lot of the group, a lot of group games, you know, should teams be travelling all across Europe just after a pandemic? Who knows? But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll watch that one just in case uh, something happens that changes that. But it'd be interesting, yes. wouldn't it? And, and a lot of games still being played in England, so can't ask for too much. Semis and the final here, so we get the brunt of it. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, we've already got the infrastructure in place to be able to host a tournament like that. You know, we, we obviously had the Olympics in 2012, so that improved the infrastructure of transport and things like that up and down the country. You know, obviously, there's great stadia across the UK, you know, not just in England, but, um, you know, in Wales, you've got the uh, Millennium Stadium. You know, you've got um, up in Glasgow, you know, you've got Ibrox and, and Celtic Park and Hamden Park. Uh, you know, you look, you know, Liverpool, you've got Anfield, Goodison, you've got Old Trafford, you know, all these big, big clubs, you know, Villa, you know, they, they traditionally used to host FA Cup semis. So, yeah, um, 
we'll watch this one. We'll watch this one. But anyway, should we move on to um, the well, the week's football? We, we, we delayed the pod slightly because obviously it was a double game week and uh, we felt we could fit in most of the games that have been played by doing the pod uh, today on Thursday. So obviously we're recording this before the Tottenham game, Liverpool-Chelsea game and, um, oh, what is that other game? I've got a complete mind blank. Who else is playing tonight, Ollie? <laughs> Remind um, me. Right. Uh, West Brom Everton, that was it. That was it. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I had it written down and I thought, well, I'll just add a little bit. But anyway, um, so yeah, so we're going to start though, with what we think was the, the best game of the weekend because there weren't many, but Tottenham versus Burnley and Gareth Bale. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there wasn't very many interesting games, but this game was, I, I thought it was going to be a tight game. I thought Burnley had a decent chance of potentially, you know, smashing grab, one nil win, but. Tottenham really knocked him out of the park, didn't they? And uh, really good to see Bell hit form. I know he's, I know he's the Spurs, London rival, but I've always ventured for a cheer on Bell. So I do really like him as a player and it's good to see him. Well, um, I saw a good tweet on social media that um, it looks like a man who's who, who's playing knowing that the golf clubs are about to open or, or something. I'm paraphrasing there. Buzzing. Uh, he's, he's absolutely buzzing for isn't he? I'm, and, uh, you know, it's obviously a joke. I don't, I don't, I don't mean that. <laughs> I don't think as he tweets it, it's just a bit of fun. But... Um, yeah, he, he looks really good at the weekend. Got two goals, got an assist. I mean, that second goal was, was sensational, I thought. That was Berlesque. That, that was good, typical, you know, one touch aside and that, yeah, that left foot curl uh, The way he curled it past the keeper. But, but yeah. also the, the assist from Son, you know, running, running from, I think, just over, almost from the halfway line with the ball. Reminded me of, I think it was against Burnley, was it last year, where he, he beat everyone? And yeah. And he won the Pushkas Award for that, didn't he, last year? Yeah. Um, it was very similar in the way he ran at the Burnley defence, but this time he found Bell to, to the side of him, and, and yeah, beautiful. Um, and you know, Kane scored, Mora scored, Son got two assists. Um, it looked that looked like a, a good attacking quartet there for for Tottenham, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, they've been well, they were defensively sound for a period of time, but they've been very defensive, and recently more so attacking wise, they haven't been looking. Punishing that they wouldn't have been all there, unfortunately. So, having Bale really hit form then makes that front three so scary. Like having Kane and Son as a duo is bad enough, but yeah. if, Bale, if Bale hits form and can stay here in form, well, I mean, uh, and you know, let's, let's also talk about Deli Ali because I know he didn't start the game, but Tottenham fans were really looking forward when, when Bale signed that they were going to, you know, basically have their, their attacking four would have been, you know, Bale, Ali, Kane, and Son. You know, you got your, you know, Delhi as the uh, Delhi Ali as the, as the ten, Kane as the nine, and then um, you know, I think uh, Son off the left and Bale off the right. Playing as yeah. was, I think. I think that's the way that, you know, and and yeah, wow. Why has it taken Jose Mourinho three quarters of the season almost to 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 play this this side? I mean, surely Bale just needed a run of games earlier on, and he, and he would have hit the form. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I I was excited when he came back to Tottenham, but up until a few weeks ago, I did kind of think he was finished and perhaps his attitude more so and the fact that he's not been playing World Cup, but been playing world-class standards in his own quality for a couple of seasons now. So I did think he was kind of finished. So hopefully these last few games might be proving us wrong. I think a lot of people have also said the same thing that he's finished, so he's got something to prove. Yeah, well, I, th- I think a lot of people thought, you know, is his heart in it? Does he want to be? But at the end of the day, if his heart wasn't in it, he wouldn't. 
surely he, he wouldn't be just sat there. He didn't strike me as the kind of guy that would just sit on the sidelines and take the paycheck. I don't know. Well, I don't know. At Madrid, you can't kind of see that. That's what he was yeah, saying. Yeah, at Madrid, I think there was other things. There's politics. There's always politics at Madrid. And I think part of it was the politics between, you know, him, Florentino Perez, the president, and, and Zinedine Zidane not necessarily liking the type of player Barrow was. And, you know, I, I just think that he, he was forced not to play sometimes. It wasn't through his choice. And then... I felt that he was going to be like, no, you signed me on this contract and I'm, I want to play for Real Madrid, you know, and, and kind of sort of dug his heels in and said, I'm, I'm not going to be bullied out of the club. Um, I think that that may, may have been, uh, you know, really what happened as opposed to, uh, you know, him not playing. But I mean, he didn't do things to make the situation easier. You know, the, the old flag, you know, <laughs> well, Wales, Golf, Madrid, and then in that order, you know, I think that that didn't sit well with the Madrid fans, but, you know, he's a legend at Tottenham and, and I, I think, you know, he, he deserved to get in the team a bit earlier. But hey, he's in there now. Spurs are in with a shout for Champions League still. So, let's yeah, they see are. Where it yeah. goes. Um, well, continuing on Champions League, uh, Leicester and Arsenal. I think even Arsenal are sneaking in. There's an outside chance for the Champions League now. Where, where on earth? I think I'd delete that pod about relegation, shouldn't I? I mean,. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we were trying to say about the Leeds stuff because um, straight off the team has scored within the first two, three minutes or so. I tweeted straight away, typical Arsenal fashion from the start. Um, and obviously I was made to look embarrassed after and they ended up being 3-1. So they were the better side for Arsenal. They were the better side. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've got, I've written it, you know, it's a good comeback. You know, they really dug in and because, because against that type of Leicester side, you know, going one nil down, you know, with the likes of Barnes and Vardy, um, you, you know, it was always going to be a tough afternoon. And, and I think it helped that, you know, Harvey Barnes went down injured and I think it looks like that was about a six-week injury. So I think he's going to be back around sort of the first, maybe maybe the end of the first week of April, second week of April, that sort of time. I think about 10th of April is a, is a penciled-in date for a return for him. And we'll talk about him a bit more in fantasy later. But, um, yeah, I think that was a massive blow because he, he's been one of their, their sort of most inspirational players and someone that, you know, when Vardy's not quite been at it in the same way that, you know, you had at the beginning of the season, previous seasons, Barnes is that real sort of running in behind, pulling, push, pulling defenders. And, and also, you know, without Madison to be able to find him, you know, I think I think they were struggling really to, to create. But Chileman scored a good goal. Well, that was a good goal. Yeah, he scored a good goal. Um, but that, I, Madison was a big miss for them. And even with Barnes in the pitch, they still didn't look all that. Um, they miss Madison a lot, and I think Tinnemans is a good player, definitely. But what well, Madison, think, sorry, yeah, go on. No. What I was gonna say is Madison brings a lot more to the team than Tinnemans does, and I think you can find a lot of players like Tinnemans that does the same sort of job. But Madison's so creative and so slick in what he does, um, and he's not, he, he's been chipping in with goals and lots of assists recently, so missing yeah. big time. I was just gonna say then, like I think Ianacho played as the number ten, or at least started in that role. Um, which isn't actually always where Madison's been playing. Madison has been playing in that more deeper role, like you say, Tielemans, maybe alongside Tielemans normally, and Tielemans operates in that more defensive role. But um, yeah, I thought it was a bit strange, Ian Acho, like as a 10. Like, was that real? When he was playing at City, and he was a super sub at City for a while, you know, he'd come on and banging goals. And, you know, I always saw him as a, a number nine playing off the shoulder, you know, 
running in behind, all those types of number nine things. And I don't know, I don't think he works in that system. But... Well, yeah, he definitely hasn't got the technical ability to play number 10 at all. But if Madison's out, if Perez is out, you know, they've got to put someone in there. Yeah, lot, yeah. You know, long gone are the days of Shinji Okazawa, who used to be <laughs> back in their title winning season. But, uh, but yeah, Arsenal, though, really good, um, really good win for them. Uh, David Luiz, did you see the goal? Whew, lovely, Edda. Lovely. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, that, that, that wasn't initially a penalty call, wasn't it? And then it got changed to a free kick. Um, yes, yeah, that was that was good bit of refereeing, actually. That's bad to say, yeah. There's a good bit of VAR yeah, used there. Um, so no complaints from, from us this week on that end, but we'll be later. Oh, we'll have plenty of complaints later, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got plenty coming later. Um, but, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, just that Arsenal did play a bit, a lot better football. Their third goal as well. Quietly mm. finished, but very well, well finished. Um, and on the day, they played better football than Leicester, unfortunately. Well, you know, William um, obviously set up the Louise goal from the free kick. Do you know that they're one of only two partnerships to have assisted and scored? Um, so William obviously assisted Louise um, yeah. when they played at Chelsea together. And oh, I wrote it down. And I don't know where I put it, but there was another one. I want to say it's quite an old pairing. Maybe it was Chris Sutton and. No, I can't remember it. But anyway, but yeah, so they're one of only two pairs to have uh, scored and assisted together as a duo for, for two different Premier League clubs, which I thought was quite interesting. Well, um, yeah, two Chelsea uh, get-out players. <laughs> yeah, but I, I actually thought Willian played much better in this game um, than he had done for a long, long time, almost since the beginning of the season, really. Um, and, you know, I thought he started brightly in the first couple of games for Arsenal and then just sort of tailed off. Um so, yeah, I thought he played well. I thought Pepe looked better, took his goal well. You know, um, simple goal, but, you know, took it well. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've always rated Pepe. Right <laughs> I've always rated Pepe. I think, you know, although he's had a pretty poor start since joining, I can see that he can be a good player. I think in the FA Cup final against us last season, he, he was probably man of the match, I think, for that game. So, he's a good player. He just needs to hit that consistency. And... Maybe it's the players around him that make him a better player as well. That might be a factor um, in it. But yeah. I mean, I think Arsenal are probably too far away to maybe get Champions League just because there's so many teams above them. Um, and I don't see too many teams from from you know Chelsea or well you know Chelsea and Liverpool dropping points. But I mean, they've both dropped points this season. But I don't see you know four or five teams that are above them all dropping enough points for Arsenal to to claw him back up. But I think. I think there's a possible shout for, for Europa, but they'll be there or thereabouts coming into the season. I, I would love it if they don't get Europe at all. <laughs> and, they, and if they don't get Europe, it will make me you know question does how long they stick with Arteta, sort of thing. Mm. I mean, last season they finished what 10th, 9th. Uh, this season they finished thereabouts, not making Europe um, at least. I think they give him they give him the summer and they give him next season, you know, see where he is come Christmas next year. And if, it, if it's yeah. still not as good then then I think switch up but um, well, they were the two really sort of most interesting games of the weekend um, you know we'll, we'll touch on Man City briefly um, there's nothing more we can really say about um, how well they're doing but these last two games they, they, you know they won beat West Ham 2-1 I think West Ham were unlucky not to get a point um, I think it's a Diop's header right in the last minute. Suchik nearly got on the end of it to, to tap in an equaliser. And I thought West Ham played really well. Um, I thought they deserved the point from that game. But City looked a little bit uh, 
not quite at the races like they normally were. And the same against Wolves, you know, Wolves clawing back to one all, and it wasn't until the last ten that they got those those last three goals. Um, Jesus getting a couple, Mares chipping in. Um, so yeah, they, they haven't been playing at brilliantly the last few games, City, but they're winning. Twenty-one games unbeaten. Yeah, yeah, that's that's title winning sides, isn't it? That you always you always know them sides to be sides that don't play the best football sometimes in a, in a match, but they know how to get the win. That was typical of Alex Ferguson. They wouldn't play good football, they struggle for a lot of the match, but they make sure they get the three points. Yeah, that, that's that's a really good um analogy there. I'm drawing it into some of those Fergie sides. I think that's what Pep's sort of doing now. He's he's built a resilience into his ultimate, you know, his ultimate fantasy team. You know, it, it, it's like he can play Jao Cancelo as a right back who then comes and plays as a playmaker in midfield and they've got the ball, you know, revolutionising revolutionising tactics. And yeah, yeah, I just, just thought we've got to give that a mention. City just roller coastering or you know, bulldozing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a runaway title season again, but fair play to them, I guess. So, you know, as we talk of title race, the nearest challengers are Man United, who are all of uh, 14 points behind them. Um, <laughs> Chelsea United. Well, there was not a lot to say about this game, was there? Another another, another dreary nil-nil, same as last time. Always anticlimactic. And uh, I, I thought that we should have won the game on the day. Um, I think Man United were pretty poor. It was definitely us controlling the game a lot more so, playing the bare-looking football. Um, Man United's front three, don't, don't know, they really hear their names much, to be honest, they're front three. Um, well, from fourth, including Bruno. Yeah, it was um, a bit of an off day for, for everyone going forward. And, you know, that seems to be the the thing Tuchel needs to get going at Chelsea. He hasn't quite found that winning formula up front. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Under him at the moment. Got, got that defensive solidarity back, definitely. Um, yeah, I think, I think the issue with our attack is probably the personnel and their lack of confidence at the moment. You've got Havertz and Bernard who are just trying to integrate ZH, I don't know. I'm losing faith in ZH already. Uh, and Pusic is just making his way back from, you know, a bad injury. So, it's a, it's a transition period in that attack. Um, mm. That's why we're going to resort to the likes of Giroud for most of the season, I think, um, here on out. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not, not bad having a World Cup winner. <laughs> no, not, not bad at all. And he's almost coming into a little bit of a Chelsea sort of legend at the moment, isn't he? Oh, he's, he's, he's a fan favourite. I think he's a more than they did at Arsenal. Yeah, he's um he's been... We all love him in Chelsea and uh, it will be said when he goes. But I, I, I do like him. I think he's been poorly treated in his early year, days at Chelsea, not getting as much game time. But um, yeah, anyway, we're, we're a bit pushed, so we'll have to rattle through some more. Um, just going to pick out here. Everton beat Southampton 1-0. Again, not a lot to report. Started brightly. But Richardson, no. your man, called yeah, it. Yeah, my transfer of the week, Richardson. So... If you're not listening to us, make sure you listen to us because uh, we've got the... We've got it down this week. We're, we're hitting a bit of form. Obviously, uh plays tonight against uh, West Brom, who we will talk about in a sec because we've got a bit to talk about that. But we're just going to, you know, Leeds losing to Villa 1-0. But then Villa go and lose 1-0 to Sheffield United in the midweek. Yeah, very disappointing from them. Yeah, that was an inconsistency from Villa. It's probably going to let them down when, they, when it comes to chasing European places. I feel they might not quite have enough in the bag to to overtake the likes of Spurs and Everton or even. No, yeah, they have reloaded themselves down there because they've they've still got two games in hand um, on, on, on a lot of the teams there. 
so winning that game against Sheffield United. Well, I, I think um, I think they've caught them up now, mate. I think they've only got one. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, against the top three they do, but the team yeah. around them. I think I think this game week will sort one of those games out. But yeah, they, they do have a game in hand on some of them. So yeah. So yeah, that's that's a chance there where they could potentially be in the U, U, um, European spots. So I don't yeah. think it's I don't think, I think they still have potential. It obviously, it depends on whether Everton, Tottenham, Chelsea, Liverpool have good form or not. But it mm. I, I would like to see Villa get Euro, but that'd be nice, isn't it? You're talking to Liverpool. You know they got a two 0 win against Sheffield United. Um, not a lot to say in that game. Curtis Jones though is the best thing out of Liverpool seasons at the moment, really turning into what looks like a solid Premier League player. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go, we've got Newcastle Wolves, 1-0. Um, yeah, Wolves looking a little bit better at the moment, but just, just not quite firing like they used to. Newcastle clinging on to that 17th place at the moment. Um, it's getting interesting down there, to be fair. Um, you've got Brighton, Newcastle, and even Burnley in 15th, they're all looking at relegation. Yeah. And Fulham well, I mean, keep... The Palace Fulham game, you know, nil nil, and Fulham were going for it. They were really going for it at the end. Yeah, you know, I think they had like six strikers on at the end of the game. <laughs> that might have been slight exaggeration, but they had a lot of them on. Um, you know, they had Mitrovic on, I think Madger on, the Cavalero, Lookman, you know, they were all on at one point. And Palace really dug deep and did a classic Roy and kept that clean sheet. Um, so that was a really good result for Palace. Um, because obviously it keeps Fulham at, at arm's length. Um and yeah, Palace Following that up with a back-to-back uh, clean sheets, holding United again. United goalless in two games, obviously goalless against Chelsea, like we just said, and, and goalless again in midweek against Palace. So the double game week didn't really um, didn't really do too much for for, for players, you know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were going to be angry about Fernandez, especially. Um, he went missing against Chelsea, of course, as he does get big top six. Um, and he's gone missing against uh, Paris again, so yeah. yeah. I think I think the only game before we head on to the West Brom Brighton games, we've got a bit of say like that. Uh, we'll just quickly touch, you know, Burnley getting a good point against Leicester mid uh, midweek as well. Um, you know, Leicester obviously losing to Arsenal, then drawing with Burnley. You know, they they dropped off at the tail end of last season, didn't they? And just missed out on Champions League, and and you sort of worry for them that could happen again this year, but they do have a nice five point cushion from West Ham and a six-point cushion from uh, Chelsea and seven from Liverpool Everton. You know, that could all change in a couple of weeks, but I feel Brendan will, will get him back to winning ways um, soon. But anyway, the uh, we, we left it till last because it's a uh, bit to talk about and we're going to move it into a bit of a feature we got this week on referees. But West Brom won, Brighton nil. But we want to talk about Lee Mason, the referee, don't we? Yeah, well, no, I don't really want to talk about it. It shouldn't really be happening, but Crazy bit, crazy bit of officiating. I can't really, I still can't understand what happened. I don't know. Well, should, we, should we just explain that? You know, so yeah, let's try and work this out. Uh, Brighton had a free kick. Lewis Dunk asked Lee Mason, Can I take the free kick quickly? Lee Mason says, Yes, blows his whistle. Uh, Lewis Dunk, you know, pops it into the bottom right corner because the keeper's still at his post trying to organize the wall. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Lee Mason realised as he took a step back that the keeper wasn't in the correct position or wasn't ready for the free kick to be taken. So quickly blew his whistle again before the ball crossed the line. Right, okay. That's fine. So that's fine. If that's the decision Lee Mason has made, fine. So then he goes and gives the goal. 
and then has to use VAR to check whether or not the whistle had blown before or after the ball went over the line. I think that's what happened. Okay, I, I, I thought initially there might have been offside for, I can't remember what player it was. He was in, um, he was behind the wall and I think it might have been potentially blocking the goalkeeper. No, no, I, think, I think it was, he blew it because he just realised that, that it was also a thing. I did see that player step and he, yeah. Either way, we're not really sure. Um, but yeah, just an absolute shocking refereeing decision. Um He's just had a mare there, hasn't he? I think he's made three or four mistakes. I mean, if he's blown his whistle twice, I like, don't give the goal. If he hadn't have given the goal, yeah, we might be talking about he made a cock-up, but we'd have, we wouldn't have been talking about it like this. Um, found it quite funny that he was ill for his fourth official's duties the next day at the Sheffield United-Liverpool game. I can probably guarantee he wasn't ill, to be honest. It probably was right for him to have a day off because he probably would have got a lot of stick from that. Um, and rightly so, it's just, I think that situation just epitomised how poor officiating is at the moment. And it's not VAR at all. It's, you just can't blame VAR, VAR. It's something to do with the referees. I don't know if you need to read well, I think, you know, I think there's like a massive gap between the rules that the referees are impl- implementing and what us as fans and players think the rules should be. You know, we seem to be a bit of uh, 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 you know, bashing our heads together here and... and, and you know, no one's really winning out of the situation. Yeah. We should just talk about Lee Mason. I mean, West Brom no. did get a win. I think that really should have been the bigger talking point. But yeah, I actually, I predict, I'm not too sure if I predicted it on the pod last week, but I, mean, I put a bet on West Brom to win. I had a feeling they would, and yeah, they did win. And oh, well done, well done. I mean, looking yeah. at it now, you know, they're nine points from safety, and you think it's too much. But then you look at Newcastle, and you think, mm, is it too much? Now I'm doing free West Brom. You know, has Sam finally got him doing what he wants him to do? And will we start seeing West Brom you know, pick up a few more wins? Maybe, maybe. But um, Brighton should have won the game. They did have two penalties that they missed. <laughs> yeah. Now we're about the free kick. So as much as people say, oh, oh yeah, well, that free kick could have could be the difference between who stays up and who goes down. Yeah. No, yeah. the difference was Welbeck smashing it against the post and, and Pascal Gross, you know, failing to score as well. So I think Brighton were their own worst enemies as much as they were a victim in that. Well done, yeah. Um, right, well, you know, we, we, we've been quite a long first part here, but we're just going to tag along. We, we wanted to talk about some, some poor referee decisions after that Lee Mason thing. It got us thinking over the weekend, didn't it? Yeah, what, some incidents that have really... weird decisions that we yeah. remember over the years. So, um, go on, you, you go first. I think you've got a couple there, haven't you? Yeah, so the one that's, you know, that's been in my memory for a long time, which Boiled my blood so hard. Um, Chelsea Barcelona, 2009 Champions League final. If you don't know the game, you don't know what's going on, then I don't know where you've been because everyone knows that game was probably the worst officiating there's been in Champions League match. Yeah. Um, was it like three or four penalties you should have had? Four penalties, I think it was. It was absolutely disgraceful. And obviously, losing the game in the last minute or last. 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever it was to Iniesta, uh, made him worse. And, it's, uh, and he, he, the scenes after the game, you got Drogba going to the camera. Um, you got uh, Mourinho losing his shit. It's unbelievable. And yeah, that, 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 that always gives me a reminded me of another decision that involves Chelsea that I'd forgotten about. Um, it's a, I believe it's a Champions League semi final, uh, 2005, I believe. I think it was the year we went on to win it. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure I know it was. And a little Spaniard pops up to a 
poked the ball past uh, was it Petr Cech in the goal? Uh, Luis Garcia. Um, I, I definitely crossed the line. Definitely crossed the line as, as I sit here. <laughs> but yeah, the, that ghost goal. Um, now I would argue that Petr Cech should have been sent off for the foul on Milan Barros that mm. led to the ball spilling to Garcia, who then did have it cleared off the line by William Gallas. Let's be honest, it, it didn't cross the line. We now have the technology to retrospectively go back and look at it, and, and, and we're all pretty sure it never crossed the line. But but that ghost goal took Liverpool to a Champions League final, um, so I'm not complaining. Um, but yeah, do, do you remember the goal I'm talking about? Not specifically, no. I think I was a little bit too. I might have a little bit before, but yeah, so um, Milan Barros comes running through on goal. Petr comes out and just slap, takes him out. But as Bar- just before he takes him out, Barros sort of like take, goes to take the ball past Czech. And, um, and Luis Garcia just runs on and sort of taps it in. And I think it was William Gallas flings himself at the line and clears it. But the linesmen's give it. It was a goal. It was uh, quite early in the game. But I would argue, I think Liverpool should have had a penalty anyway if that goal wasn't given. But I've got another one here, also involved in Chelsea, but um, it was in their benefit this time. Um, Alex Wapsley Chamberlain made a fantastic save with his hands on the line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't remember the year actually. Um, I think it was oh, was it oh eight? Um, Andre Mariner goes and sends Kieran Gibbs off. <laughs> well, Even, it was clearly Oxley Chamberlain. Yeah. Um, this well, this day and age, he'd probably get called racist, but <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, yeah, maybe. Um, but you know, we're not insinuating Andre Mariner thought that in any way, right. shape, or form. But um, yeah. Um, I think it was Wenger's thousandth game as well, and your boys beat him six 0 So um, that was a funny one. And uh, I got another one here: um, Nani playing for Man United in 2010 against Tottenham. He's fouled in the box. He, he's adamant that it was a foul, so he goes and picks the ball up, and and then he realizes it's not a foul, so he, he drops the ball. Um, Gomez in the Spurs kick goal just thinks, all right, that's clearly going to be a free kick because he's just handballed it in the box, you know. So he's, you know, throws the ball out as if to go and, like, you know, to take the free kick and put it on the floor. Nanny gets up from being injured on the floor after his uh, tackle and uh, goes and taps it in and the ref... Oh, they're, they're always like that, aren't they? They always go down injured and then <laughs> two minutes later with another attack, have a chance to score that up in the fine, so... Yeah, and uh, I was just going to throw out uh, the worst refereeing decision of all time, hand of God. Um, that, that's clearly handball from Maradona. How on earth the ref and the linesman didn't see it? You know, shocker, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, now we, we've had our fun with the referees. Um, that's it for part one, and we'll be back for part two. Cool. What about guys? Part two here. Um, as usual, we'll be going through the uh, upcoming, upcoming games of this weekend, uh, and obviously given our expertise on fantasy who you should bring in, um, who are the main players to get you them points. So we'll start with the big game of the weekend, uh, Manchester Derby. We mm. always get excited for this game and yeah. sometimes live up to it, especially the last one. But first versus second, that's the first time it's happened in a while. Mm. Um, this, is think, is 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 going to be the nail in the coffin for the league title, I think. Um I think uh, as long as City avoid defeat, which I think United will give them a game because they always do. So I'm going 2-0. Um, and obviously, Kevin De Bruyne is uh, looking like he's coming back to his best. So I think he's one to watch out for there. You know, Bruno Fernandes, Rashford, uh, United forwards to watch out for there. I, I am going to lean against the City defenders this week. Obviously, I spoke about City defenders in the team uh, last week. Diaz and Stones did me proud. Got goals, got clean sheets. 
Um, it's a bit tough to call who they're going to play in defence sometimes, but I, I do see United posing a bit of a threat going forward. You know, they're going to know that if United win this game, it, it could be a catapult for a hunt, you know, hunting City down. Um, you know, I think it's unlikely, but you know, that'll be the mentality United players have. So that's where I'm going with it, Ollie. Right, okay. I'm I'm different to you on this one. I, I think United against the top six, they've only scored, I think, one overplay goal. Um, something like that. So their their attack doesn't seem to go missing. I'm not too sure why. Bruno goes missing, doesn't he? Bruno goes missing. He does. I feel like when he goes missing, the attack goes missing because so much does go through him. So on that, I'm saying Man City can win 2-0 there. Uh, And I'm I'm thinking maybe captaining your City defenders, you already got it in there. They've got got Southampton um, on the Monday, so double game week there. So I don't see them conceding at Southampton either. So there's a lot of points potentially to go from Cancelo, Diaz, um, Stones, whoever you got in there. So I'll look, I'll look to um, captain one of them ones. Yeah, so I've got two your match City. Oh, interesting, interesting. Right, okay. Well, we shall um, move on then to the next... Well, what I think is another really big game um, is West Brom versus Newcastle. I mean, it, it might be in a different place in the league. It's, it's, not, a, uh, it's not a derby, but it, it, it's almost a relegation six-pointer because... Um, Obviously, before this pod goes out, we won't, we won't know the result of the West Brom Everton game. But if West Brom win that, they get six points behind Newcastle. Meaning, if they beat Newcastle, you know they can go. Well, you know they can go six points or three points off them. And all of a sudden, you know West Brom unbeaten in three. I think they're going to beat Newcastle one nil. Um, yeah, you know it might be worth looking at getting some. Uh, West Brom defenders in this week as well, if you can, you know, or if you've got any West Brom defenders filling up your bench on a cheap one, you know, Sam Allardyce might finally be getting his traditional tune out of them. And I've just got this feeling, you know, I'm, I'm going with a big West Brom narrative this week, but I think that, I think that this like great escape could just gain a little bit of traction in the next couple of games. And yeah, I'm going one from. Um, yeah. What do you think? Well, we'll have a look at it. I've I've got West Brom to win two one, um, and I think bringing that striker Diane, um, however you do pronounce it. Yeah, I think you got it there, Diane. Being being big signing for them, very big signing for them in January, and I think that's the way they're going to get out um, of the relegation spots if they are going to. I don't think they are. I don't. I think they the gap's too big, and it's only Fulham that have potential to get out, but. We've seen some crazy relegation battles over the season. So, you know, it would, it would be nice to see him stay up because it would be a good story. Considering how... Um, well, I mean, it, um, Big Sam would love it, wouldn't he? Um, I think it would he, It would just, you know, he'd be able to tell everyone, you know, I, I do keep teams up in the Premier League, no matter how you think I play. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a big game to look out for. I've also highlighted another big game, um, Chelsea Everton. Big top four clash or big big European places clash that one. Big top four. Um, I'm going to assume you're going to no comment it. So yeah, written no comment as you can see on my piece of paper, Andy. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got Chelsea to win two one here. Um, I think all that's missing is is that firepower going forward. But I think I think that this will be the one that they can click. I think you know Tuchel will understand the importance of beating your rivals to these European places. He'll want Champions League football next year. You know he's just come from PSG who. Where he's been trying to win the Champions League, and I think that's how he sees his life at Chelsea. So I've gone two-one. Um, 
No idea who might score for Chelsea. No, uh, I, I very rarely have clues to score Chelsea to us. But, you know, I would say Giroud is, is a good option up front. He's, he's, you know, a good price at about, I think, 6.3, 6.4 million. Um, you know, and again, you know, I've gone two ones. I think, you know, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin are still, still good shouts to have in your team for Everton. Um, right, I'm going to move on to the next one because you're going to know comments. So, Spurs Palace. Uh, I've gone for 3-0 Spurs. Um, I think they'll be continuing their good form against Burnley. Uh, against Palace who aren't playing that good football at the moment. Those are hard moments either. Um, not offering much attack and always they're vulnerable defensively. So, uh, informed Tottenham can be a very damaging Tottenham, to be fair. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I've gone 3 0. I think you've, you're right with Palace. No Zaha means, you know, they struggle creatively, especially like I know Eze's like got the potential to, I think, take over from Zaha one day at, at Palace. But, you know, even against Fulham, you know, I think Fulham just put Harrison Reed on him towards the end and just sat on him. And, and once you sort of block that supply to Eze, there wasn't really anything going. So I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Spurs will do that. You know, they'll put Hoiberg. You know, Hoiberg will, will, will be there mopping up things and, and keeping his eye on Eze. And, you know, the way we saw Spurs go against Burnley, you know, I think uh, your Bales, your, your, your Canes, your Sons, your Moras even, um, you know. But Bale, Bale, I think, is now we can add him to that Son and, and Kane and maybe that trio is someone to look out for. Um, Palace, yeah, I'll just ignore that. <laughs> Don't really think. They've got anyone that's worth scoring points. They're not scoring. Uh, they don't seem to keeping a clean sheet. Um, right, where to go next? Uh, well, let's go Liverpool. Liverpool, Fulham. I've got this. Uh, this is my highest scoring game. I've gone three two Liverpool. Ooh. Yeah. Um, um, Fulham. They're gaining more technical capabilities. Um, looking a bit more friendly going up front with new signings and you know Lookman really integrating himself into that team. Um, and Liverpool defensively again, I just think our vulnerable scoring goal, letting goals in, but I don't think they'll lose. So that's why I've gone for three two. Well, I mean, you know, we, um, we haven't done too badly at the back considering we haven't had um, proper centre back partnership all season really. Um, Quebec and Phillips looks like the way we're going to go forward. Still really shocked as to why we bought this um, Ben Davis character from Preston. Seems like we bought him just in case the Quebec deal never came to fruition. I see him moving on in the summer, possibly both of them. Yeah, Quebec and Phillips seem to have struck up a sort of partnership um, for Liverpool now. They've played sort of two games together now. I think that's the way Liverpool go. I don't think Fulham will quite have enough to well, go. Well, I don't know. I don't know because... Uh, I've, I've, I've gone 3 now. I think Liverpool will, now that we've got that win against Sheffield under our belt, you know, hopefully this will kickstart the confidence, kickstart the boys up front. You know, once, once you know, your Salahs, your Manes start scoring goals, you know, I think teams can sometimes be overwhelmed by Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I feel, but I think... I feel we haven't won at Anfield for a while. And so I, I think we're going to come out and we're going to smash for them. And I was being reserved when I said 3-0 because I think it could be one of them, one of them bad days at the office for Scott Parker. <laughs> um, yeah. Fair enough. I think well, if, I'm, if I'm fully looking at that centre back partnership, I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking, go for it. Let's go at it. And that's why I feel yeah, and you, and you very may well be right, but we're going to agree to disagree on that one. That yeah. might be bias coming through a little bit. Um, right, what have we got left to do? A Burnley Arsenal? I find it quite tough to call this one. Uh, I don't know what it is a Burnley. I always find it tough to call their games. 
they just have something about them that I don't know. But I've got one nil Arsenal. I think they'll uh, grab this one. Um, off the back of the Leicester win, they'll be feeling good. Um, Pepe in good form. Hopefully, well, not hopefully, but maybe he'll continue that. Um, and I think they all should. If they're going to want to keep Europe up, then they've got to get the win. So yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at Kieran Tierney. Yeah, he, he's definitely standout player, isn't he, for Arsenal really for the season. Um, see him keeping a clean sheet, and and he's always worth chipping in with an assist or two. So, I mean, I've gone two 0 Arsenal. So yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, right, Sheffield United, Southampton. One one, got one one here. I think not not much not much here really. I just think both teams are pretty poor. Southampton obviously are better quality, but they still right. haven't really. I don't think they have really got any form back since. The... No, no, I think they did. They did better against Everton, and, and you know, but I've got Sheffield to win this one there. I think, I think oh, right. with Villa might just give them a little bit of, you know, and, and I think Chris Wilder there. I think they they've kind of all agreed that they're down. I think men, men, mentally they think that, and, and this is where they can start to you know focus on building some form up and, and looking ahead to next year maybe. And if they get a few wins together, all of a sudden, it, you know, the way Newcastle are going. You know, and the way Fulham aren't getting those wins, they're still drawing. You know, well, I mean, it's... anything could happen, but there's still enough games. It's mathematically possible, but it's getting close for them. But like you say, the way Saints have been playing, I just think Sheffield United here might nick a win. I don't really know where to go with fantasy on these guys. So I don't really see anything worth doing there. No, no. I mean, there's a couple. Of, there's a couple of Southampton players that you think would be good. Picks for mm-hmm. fantasy. We've got Danny Ings and your Che Adams and your Vestergaard. Walcott, uh, you know. Walcott yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. He's obviously pulled up an injury, but. So, uh, yeah, they should be doing better than they are. But... Well, they were. They were. They, like we've talked about before, they had a fantastic start to the season. And, and I think, like we've spoken before, they, they, they really run the risk of uh, throwing away all that good work from the beginning. Well, I think they have thrown it all away. But um, there yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, we've got Villa Wolves, bit of a Midlands derby there. Yeah, I think I've won for 1-0 Villa. Um, I just think Wolves attacking-wise, they haven't got enough to beat a good defensive side like Villa, especially Martinez and goal. Uh, they haven't got that in-and-out goal-scoring striker that, can, that knows how to finish well all the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, Villa, I would put Villa more than 1-0, but it's because they haven't got Grealish and they do yeah. like that creativity, that Grealish. So. I've gone 1-0 because Wolves have just started to look a little bit better. They, you know, they, they went with Adama Traore down the middle the other night. Um, and actually, did they, you know, they did score against City. So that's um, that's an interesting one to look out for. And I like the idea of Traore playing down the middle. Um, and, you know, his power, his pace, you know, c- could suit him to that number nine role. Um, and so, you know, I'm, 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 I'm looking at maybe Traore might be someone as a left, left wing there. Maybe bring back into your sides if he's going to be playing as a number nine, especially as a midfielder in the game. Of, in yeah, he's, yeah, he's quite a good player. So he's always a good shot. He's cheap as well. So mm-hmm. not a bad person to have your bench. Um, right, then we've got Brighton and Leicester. Um, it was a tough one. I didn't know. It was, I thought 2 0, but I've ended up going 2 0 with Leicester because I think they, they, they've now had a little blip, but I think Rodgers will be really aware of the blip that they had last season and how that, that cost them Champions League football. And I think, you know, we really determined to get back to winning ways to to consolidate that that top four slot and, and get Champions League football next year. And I think Brighton's form, you know, they, they went on a little good run. 
not conceding a lot, picking up points, but they just seem to have dropped again. Um, and I think that that defeat to West Brom it will, will hit them hard. Missing two penalties, the Lewis dunk, you know, decision for the free kick. I think that will just knock them. I think Leicester will come to town and and, and have a nice, professional, comfortable 2-0 win, even without Harvey Barnes. But I think Fair that is, is meant to be back. So. Yeah, OK. Uh, I'll go for 1-1. Um, where I think Leicester lacking the attacking um, expertise of Madison and uh, Barnes. Like I said, Madison, Madison might be back, which will be... He might yeah. be. I'm, I'm unsure on that. If uh, he is back, then I'd change, change my prediction to Leicester win. But if he's not, then I'm sticking to the 1-1. Um, and Brighton are really now they've got to really start kicking into gear to avoid the relegation. So they they can have that on their mind all the time now. So they're gonna want to go for the wins to make sure they don't get sucked down there. So I think they'll battle hard for one-one draw here. Yeah, no, I think you make a good point. I mean, I, I'm I'm going on the assumption that um, that Madison will return. Um, you know, it, it looks like it, you know he's back in training this week, so. We'll see, you know, is, is he fit enough? Only Brendan Rodgers will know that. You know, maybe keep an eye out on some Leicester players' fantasy teams this week, see if Madison comes back into them, you know. That's apparently a way of getting team news these days, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think you make a good point. I think my 2-0 does depend on Madison starting, really. But, um, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, well, the last one of the weekend uh, is West Ham and Leeds. Um, I've gone 3-1 West Ham here. I think they're in really good form. Playing some nice football, um, you know they've got a goal scorer in uh, in Antonio. You know they've got Suchet, they've got Jesse Lingard. You know really, really yeah, added, yeah. added to the team there, hasn't he? Yeah, he's done well. He, he, he has done well. To be fair to him, um, and, so, and fair play to come in and play well so soon and coming to the club after being a main United where he's been out of favour, playing very bad football, um, and to come to the West Ham side. And play well, so yeah, fair play to him. Um, and I think West Ham will get a tuna win. Yeah, and I think Lingard's a really good shot to get any fantasy teams as well. Um, yeah, he is. He's cheap, and and he and he's really becoming quite central to to the creative side of, of West Ham and and assists, getting goals, and and, and being one of their, their main men in creating. And uh, which is something I think West Ham have been lacking a little bit, but they they've been getting through the season all right, you know. They've even, they're even they are not having Antonio for long stretches. You know, the fact that Suchek has stepped up and, and scoring lots of goals. And and actually, I noticed that since Lingard's come in, Suchek's been a little bit less um, threatening going forward. Mm. So it might be a case of this what I'm going to do this week. I'm, I'm swapping, I've got two transfers, so I'm, one of them is going to be the swap um, Suchek for Lingard. And um, well, I'll tell you about my other one in a bit. Um, I won't mm-hmm. give me transfer of the week away just yet, but that's that's a mini transfer of the week. Swapping Lingard for Suchek, I think it's not a bad shout. Um, which brings us on to the final game, which is a double game week for both of these teams. There's Man City, Southampton. Um, I think you said earlier, you know, you touched on this game. Oh, yeah, I've gone to see 5 0 here. I think they're going to absolutely do Yeah, yeah I mean, I was even tempted. Yeah, I was tempted to put another 9 0. Uh, no disrespect to Southampton, but you know it could end up being another one of them ones. I'm going for four 0 Man City. It's just it's always hard to pick who your attackers are for Man City. You just don't know who's going to start in that game, and it's so frustrating. Um, but like you said, your Kevin De Bruyne probably will be starting every game. Sterling will probably start every game as well. So they were main two to look at. I've brought in Mares 
this this game week. Um, when he plays, he, he, he does get a couple of goals or assists, so he's a very yeah, good guy. against Wolves. But, um, yeah, well, that leads us on then to our transfers and captain picks. Um, well, I, I've merged mine together this week because I didn't know whether to pick him for which one of it. But I thought, well, I'm going KDB, Kevin De Bruyne. He, he's, he's been out of a lot of teams lately. He's only selected by 13% of uh, FPL managers. And I think, you know, he's got back-to-back assists now. I think he, he, he's, you know, he's over the injury, he, he's back up and running. And when you've got fully fit Kevin De Bruyne, you know, he, he is 11.8 million, but, you know, I, I think he's worth getting in your team. You know, maybe you're going to, you know, maybe you want to keep Fernandez as well. But I'm thinking, you know, Salah, is he really worth the 12.6 million paying every week for that? All right, that's what I'm going to do. I'm getting rid of Salah. I'm doing it. I'm doing it this weekend. Even though I've got Liverpool to win 3 0, I think Kevin De Bruyne for a double game week because he always plays. He, he's one of the ones that isn't rotated as often. And where he's missed long periods, now he's fully fair. I see Pep playing him in both of these games and him being, you know, at the centre of all roles. And so, yeah, I'm going transfer and captain is Kevin De Bruyne for me. Right. Okay. Yeah. Big, big. Uh, my chance for the week, I think, get there before everyone else does, is going to fail. Um, it, it, it's hit and miss. Uh, I mean, it may not carry on the form. If he does keep on the form, you'll be kicking yourself and everyone else will be getting him in there um, a couple more games in. So, get the nice and early. Bell is bail. We all know what he's capable of. So, like he showed against Burnley. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a similar price to like your Rashford's and your sons. So, It'd be interesting to keep an eye on on that. I'm not quite ready to put Bell in yet, um, but I, I know what you're saying. He's uh, he's going to be there thereabouts. I mean, I've also got um, an injured Harvey Barnes this week as well, and a bit. Uh, I think I'm just going to bench him for a few weeks and uh, go with Lingard because uh, I've had Suchek on the bench. But we get Lingard in Suchek and, and and leave Barnes on the bench until he's back. So. Uh, that's a little bit for Har- on Harvey Barnes. I think he's worth keeping in your team, though. I think he's a good player. Good player. I yeah. like him. Um, um, and my captain. Oh, yeah, uh, captain. Yeah, my captain, captain. Happy to get. My captain, I've gone for uh, Diaz. I think, I think, touching on what I said earlier, good chance for Man City to get two clean sheets. Um, and, yeah, the defenders were picking up loads of points. And Diaz, yeah, he has got a goal in him, as do Cancelo. As his stones, but I seem to think Diaz seems to be the more consistent starter guy that they'll put Laporte with, more stones with. I mean, we've seen Cancelo be out of the squad for the last games or so. Um, so a bit risky sometimes picking him. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, Pep's obviously very conscious of all the games they've got coming up Champions League, League Cup final, FA Cup, Premier League running. So it is quite tricky. But yeah, you're right. Diaz seems to be the one that is the shooting. So, yeah. um, you know, your left field uh, captain in again. You know, last week you went triple captain on Martinez. How'd that pan out for you? Yeah, well, not too bad. It started, started off with a flying start um, with 10 points. So, obviously, it only me 30, but they lost to Sheffield United 1 0. So, that's really. Yeah, lit. I mean, that did throw. I mean, obviously, I, I was back in City Defenders last week over their attackers, and I was uh, loving it when Diaz and Stengs popped up for the scoring. And I thought, I guess I texted you, didn't I? Yeah, message yeah. you saying. We've got it on the nail this week. It looks like we've done all right. Then come along to the second part of the game week, and, and those players let us down a little bit. But there we go. Uh, that's, that's that's it, isn't it? I think we're done. Yeah, that's something wrong. Um, episode sixteen. 
Yeah, another cracking pod. Some good tips there for everyone. And uh, we will speak to you next time. Yeah, have a good weekend. Thank you.